Пускаю чарочки, чарочки маленькі, зятю дорогеньки. Зятю чарочки маленькі, отакі ж боби пускають, зятю дорогеньки. Випив чарку, зять відразу, та й услуг міркує, хай тим очі побігли лазать, хто такі купує. Отакі, мотакі, відпускають чарочки. Чарочки маленькі, зятю дорогеньки. Скипку хліба відрізає тежці там тоненько. Каже, ічте, поправляйтесь, друга моя ненько. Дружині ті хлібені очі притиснуло Нічмо, жінко, та й не дбаймо, щоб не подавило Отакім, отакім, нарізає скібочки Скібочки тоненькі, тесті дорогенькі Alberta, that was Trimbita with Stave Charku, Raise a Glass, and uh, that will probably be happening a lot with Trimbita and other groups that will be performing at Canada's National Ukrainian Festival in Dauphin, August 4th to 6th, and uh, you'll hear a lot of Trimbita there as well as some other groups, 
So if you're not, uh, if you haven't made plans yet, uh, you might want to think about that. Head out to Dauphin on the August long weekend for a great festival, Canada's National Ukrainian Festival. Again, that was Trembita from Edmonton with Stavit Charku. Raise a glass. Ita kem živavam tempom rozpočala naše programu. Dobri večer, šanovni radio suhečita, vitaju vas vsih na radio predaču Naš Holos, radio Ukrinskoho Korinja, kot sa podjetje vam, jak svečajno šče sobote o šosti hodeni na bahatomovni radio stanci AM 1320 CHMB v misti Vancouveri. Pri mikrofoni Pavina Makvari, djakuju, šče rišale perebuti si mnoju nastupnu hodenu. Me majmo dušici kabi nabene na srednišnjih programi. Hello there and welcome to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio here on AM 1320 CHMB Vancouver. I'm your host, Paula demchuk Makori Pokrinska Pavina, and I'm delighted to have you with me. We have a great program lined up for you, lots of great information. Ukrainian Jewish heritage will focus on an interesting author who has devoted his life to educating the world about Galicia, in particular Ukrainian Galicia. As well, we have an interview with Taras Kulish of Hope Worldwide Canada. We spoke with him last Wednesday on the Nanaimo edition, and we'll bring you that interview as well. He gives us an update on his work with Hope Worldwide Canada in Ukraine and to give us a little bit of an update on uh, what's going on there since we don't get much on the mainstream news. So stay tuned for all of that as well, our usual proverb of the week, other items of interest and great Ukrainian music. And coming up next is Tut i Tam from Saskatchewan and Chornaretka or Black Radish. <laughs>
мене візне, ой, що буде, ой, мамуню, що буде, як він мене не візне, як він мене не візне. Since 1963, the Shochenko Foundation has been funding initiatives that strengthen our Ukrainian-Canadian identity and enhance our Ukrainian-Canadian cultural heritage to benefit all Canadians. By the foresight and generosity of its donors, the Shochenko Foundation has been funding fine and performing arts and arts groups, museums, cultural centers, education, as well as authors, journalists, and the Ukrainian-Canadian media, including this program. Our Legacy, Your Tomorrow is the Shochenko Foundation's first major capital fundraising campaign, and listeners of this program are encouraged to support the Foundation's efforts to increase funding for artists, organizations, and initiatives in education, cultural heritage, and community development. You can make a lasting impact on the community by helping the Foundation's Our Legacy, Your Tomorrow campaign meet its fundraising goal of $20 million. For donation options, visit OurLegacyYourTomorrow.com. For more information about the program's support by the foundation visit shochenkofoundation.ca Get your weekend passes for Canada's National Ukrainian Festival for only $95. That's $95 for a weekend pass to this cultural extravaganza in Dauphin, Manitoba, August 4th to 6th. CNUF is loaded with Ukrainian culture at its finest, featuring three days of music, dancing, food, and fun. Call 1-877-474-2683. Canada's National Ukrainian Festival, August long weekend, Dauphin, Manitoba. See cnuf.ca for updates and like Canada's National Ukrainian Festival on Facebook. Don't miss the 5th Annual Babas and Borscht Ukrainian Festival, August 26th and 27th in Lamont, Alberta. A new location, but all the same family fun, food, and festivities. Music jam, performances, kids' activities, Borscht cook-off, Babas Bazaar, cultural demonstrations, workshops, and more. Festival admission is free. Zabava tickets are $50 and include a Ukrainian feast, Cheremosh dancers, Zemlya vocal trio, and dancing to Trimbita dance band. Details at babasandborscht.ca.
a little kid singing, what more beautiful sound is there in this world? That was the students of the Metropolitan Sheptitsky School in Montreal with Nasha Kolomeka, otherwise known as Oitaduna, our Kolomeka. And here are more kids, these from Ukraine, from a music school in Kherson, called as schools in Ukraine are only numbered, they don't have names. And this is the Kherson Music School, number three, and the students singing Soloveko, Nightingale. Taras Kulish is the International Relations Officer at Hope Worldwide Canada, based in Toronto. He's been a regular guest on our show, keeping us updated on the work of this outstanding organization. Taras and his team at Hope Worldwide Canada have been working with their counterparts in Ukraine to help internally displaced war refugees there to deal with post-traumatic stress disorder, brought on by being driven from their homes, usually brutally, by Russian-backed terrorists attacking eastern Ukraine for the past three years. Taras recently returned from a monitoring trip to Ukraine for Hope Worldwide Canada. We spoke with him by phone last Wednesday on the Nanaimo edition of Nasholus to find out what all transpired on that trip. We're pleased to present a recording of that interview now. Taras, welcome again to Nasholus. We tell you. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, it's uh, great to be here again, but it does feel like it's been a long time since we've chatted over the radio with uh, your listeners, uh, Paulina. It has been, actually, yeah. I think it was 
maybe earlier this year, uh, maybe January, uh, or even last year. So welcome back. It's good to have you back, and just great to have you updating us on what's going on, because the mainstream media doesn't tell us what's going on, and there's a lot of disinformation out there. Uh, Putin seems to be winning the propaganda war again, so it's great to have you on. And uh, you've recently come back from Ukraine. You said this was your first trip. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was actually, um, uh, some people find it hard to believe because <laughs> I've been uh, uh, working uh, on this project for, um, you know, over uh, two years and, uh, you know, two and a half years and, and all of this time coordinating everything from, uh, yeah. you know, behind my desk, mm-hmm. uh, phone, fax, well, not fax so much yeah. anymore, but Skype yeah. uh, and everything from, um, uh, you know, from Toronto uh, and uh, so we we uh, we were able to do uh, you know a monitoring trip uh, for the first time um, uh, just this June. So tell me when you were there, when you got back, and and how how it all went. Well, um, sure, no, I'd be happy to. Uh, you know, when when you're dealing with um, with uh, charitable work and uh, you know supplying. Uh, uh, you know, funds for a program uh, in uh, in a foreign country, and in this case, Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to be very careful. Uh, you know that as a Canadian organization, that you maintain control, that you um, at every step of the way, uh, you get um, you know budget proposals and and uh, and you know uh, narrative proposals. So you you get a, a really good idea of what exactly you're spending your money on, and then when the money gets Spent, you know, you have to get all those uh, receipts and and photos to show that the you know that uh, the money was spent in the right places. Um, but in addition to that, it's important uh, for the for a Canadian charity, um, in my view, to um, to go on site and to, uh, to to monitor, to meet the people, to meet the, mm-hmm. the clients, if mm-hmm. you will. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that's, um, that's what we did. That's what Hope Worldwide did uh, because I have been, you know, so intrinsically involved in this. They sent me over there. And I was able to meet, uh, you know, our country d- director, Vladimir Yermakov, uh, who's based in Kyiv. Uh, I was able to meet as well uh, the, the, the project manager and uh, media relations officer, Oksana, uh, who's based in uh, Ivano-Frankivsk. I was able to meet uh, as well the, the, the psychological uh, uh, therapy team, uh, mm-hmm. who which are based in uh, in Kiev. So uh, Ira Sukova was uh, was who is our lead psychologist, and um, and you know another people who are team members. And and in Ukraine, uh, they are um, you know they're they're paid uh, workers, paid uh, uh, paid part of the uh, of the team. Mm-hmm. In Canada, we're all volunteers. Okay, um, so explain a little bit uh, for listeners who maybe have not are not familiar with Hope Worldwide Canada tuning in for the first time. Uh, this is a worldwide organization, and you are uh, there's a Canadian branch and there's a branch in Ukraine, so you're working together, correct? Um, yeah, that's correct. So Hope Worldwide is a uh, an NGO that was uh, founded. Um, uh, I think in about 1990 in the United States. Uh, it's been uh, recognized by the United Nations, and so it has special consultative status with the United Nations. Mm. And uh, we have um, affiliates, uh, branches throughout the world, 
and that's one of our strengths because we have um, affiliates in, let's say, first world nations uh, such as Canada, the United States, Switzerland, Germany, uh, France, the UK, uh, to you know, to name mm-hmm. uh, some good examples. Mm-hmm. And then we also have um, affiliates branches in other. Uh, you know, developing nations or nations where um, assistance, uh, you know, can be uh, can be required from time to time. They run local programs as well, but sometimes they need uh, they need help. So uh, I've gained my international experience, for instance, helping um, in Haiti after the earthquake, or the Philippines after uh, typhoons, uh, Bangladesh after flooding, um, uh, Ivory Coast after the civil war. Mm-hmm. There's there's many more countries that mm-hmm. I've that I've helped out with, um, but those are some good examples. And uh, by have by by having helped out with those countries it it gave me the um the mm-hmm. understanding of needs uh hope worldwide's niche is uh, is children's programs especially okay. because uh, oftentimes in a disaster or a, or a war situation children are um uh under serviced mm-hmm. and so that is uh, that is our niche and we work in the United States for instance with uh, very closely with the Red Cross and uh, and as well, we'll work with uh, Red Cross or Rotary in, in uh, uh, internationally, and and so you know, in terms of uh, you know Ukraine, uh, there had been a Hope Worldwide Ukraine uh, existing for the past uh, ten years, and they were running programs in uh, uh, orphanages and with senior homes, mm-hmm. and uh, doing those kind of programs, and then when the situation uh, came along in eastern Ukraine and in uh, Crimea as well. Um, there was a, uh, a, a great need for humanitarian assistance, uh, and so the, uh, the U.S. Uh, headquarters um, you know, provided some, uh, some seed money for humanitarian assistance. And they were, you know, providing the typical type of assistance, you know, food, mm-hmm. uh, clothing, uh, perhaps, uh, you know, food, clothing, water, and, and that sort of thing. Um, and so then uh, I contacted um, Vladimir uh, in March 2015 and uh, uh, asked him whether he was, uh, whether he had a specific program to meet the psychosocial needs of children, because... I knew that this was something that uh, was uh, was a strength of Hope Worldwide in other countries, mm-hmm. and that was needed. Uh, and so he he told me that of course they were doing humanitarian assistance, but not specifically this kind of a program. So they looked into this and um, and developed a PTSD therapy program. Uh, of course in conjunction with some of the major players in Ukraine, such as uh, Ukrainian Catholic University uh, and even, you know, Canada Ukraine Foundation, who, uh, who had uh, done the translation for the children and war therapy manual uh, into, into Ukrainian. So we're working with the, um, you know, with the major uh, players. Mm-hmm. And uh, our niche is that we go into the uh, number one. We go into the uh, the IDP camps, the mm-hmm. internally displaced people camps, mm-hmm. of which there's you know about eight or nine major camps around um, uh, you know the country mm-hmm. um, outside of the uh, the red zone. 
And now, because of uh, the work that we've been doing, we've been, in 2017, we've been able to attract uh, the attention of a uh, private Canadian foundation. Uh, so they are not, uh, interestingly enough, they're not in the Ukrainian community. Hmm. And they gave us a, uh, a sizable grant uh, to oh. continue our work for 2017, and they've oh. advised us that it should continue uh, year on year f- for the next few years, oh, wow. uh, because we do foresee, you know, the need continuing on. Right. And so as a result of this um, grant, we've been able to continue with the the training of trainers, which is the one major component, mm-hmm. the providing therapy to children, but we've now been able to expand it and provide uh, rehabilitation and recuperation camps. And uh, so what that means uh, is that uh, we will take, um, for instance, when I went to, uh, to Ukraine, I visited one of these camps for children just outside of Kyiv. So they took about 25 children who were living in uh, in a town called Marinka, which is in the so-called red zone. Yes. So it's it's the zone where at night they are uh, subject to shelling. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and these kids go to school in oh. in this environment. I saw. Uh, of course, I didn't visit that zone, but I saw photos uh, because uh, we we did a training over there, a two-month uh, training program, and I saw in the school where the, where the children were, on the inside of the windows, the windows are covered, you know, two-thirds up with um, uh, sandbags oh. to prevent, obviously, you know, shrapnel or glass shards oh. from, uh, from coming in and injuring the, uh, the children. Oh. Uh, so this is the environment that they're, that they're living in. Uh, and, you know, we could describe it in much more graphic detail. I mean, uh, uh, children having their, their, their parents killed, injured, uh, sometimes having to go to school or come back from school, um, you know, on their stomachs, uh, on hands and knees because of they have to avoid bullets, snipers' bullets. And, and these are not funny stories. So... We took these children who we had previously given a, a two-month therapy course to, and we took them to a the recovery and rehabilitation camp. So that gave them nearly four weeks in a camp outside of Kyiv uh, with peace and quiet. They needed lots of rest, mm-hmm. lots of sleep. Sure. But we also gave them, you know, daily activity and trips. You know, they they went to uh, bowling. They went mm-hmm. to, you know, like a, a discotheque. You know, for mm-hmm. like, you know, to have a children's dance party. Oh. Uh, they um, uh, they went on tours of uh, of Kyiv to see the different uh, sites, to even see the Holodomor Memorial, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, so, and, and as well, every day they had training and therapy. Uh, so I, I, I met on several occasions with the children who are just, just lovely. You know, the, I, it was very emotional for me to, to see these kids, uh, you know, having worked from afar with them or for them for the past two years, but then to see them, you know, right there and have them mm-hmm. hug me and uh, was just very emotional. And also to think even of, um, you know, my own father, 
uh, he was, um, you know, 14, 15 when he was uh, taken in the middle of the war by the uh, by the Germans to uh, with with my aunt to work uh, in Germany and Austria as slave labor. So you know when I when I see these. Uh, uh, children mm-hmm. you know I also think of uh, you know why I'm why I'm doing this and, and my father is one of those reasons wow. I'm speaking with Taras Kulesh of Hope Worldwide Canada based in Toronto this interview was recorded live on the Nanaimo edition of Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio on Wednesday July 19th 2017 and you're listening to Nasholus Ukrainian Roots Radio on AM 1320 CHMB, Vancouver. I'm your host, Pavlina. Visukhite Radio Peridachu Nasholus, Radio Ukrinsko Hokurinya, Nabahatomovni Radio Stansi, AM 1320 CHMB, Umisti Vancouveri. Hovorit Pavlina. Teras, that sounds like it was a bit of an eye-opener for you, but it sounds like it was a very touching, heart-rending experience for you. Oh, it, it it definitely was, and uh, you know it gives you the uh, the inspiration to um, uh, you know to keep on uh, to keep on working, uh, perhaps even you know more strongly. And and of course we all do this as uh, you know as as volunteers. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know the 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 interesting thing or the good thing is is that the. Um, things are are spreading out uh, in Canada. So, um, you know, to give a plug for something that's happening this weekend, mm-hmm. there's the Capital Ukrainian Festival in Ottawa. All right. Which uh, is going to be a huge uh, Ukrainian festival because it's also in conjunction with Canada 150. All right. And, uh, you know, I was in uh, in Ottawa over, uh, over the July 1st uh, long weekend, so it was a tremendous time, and I think, uh, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to be there at the festival, but we have some great uh, volunteers in Ottawa uh, who are going to be manning the uh, the Hopewell Wide Canada table in support of the Helping Hand for Ukraine project. So if you're in Ottawa or if you know anyone in Ottawa, then uh, tell them to... Um, Look out for the uh, mm-hmm. for the Hope Worldwide Canada table, and and come and see and say hello to uh, to Natalia, who will be uh, um, the uh, sort of our our lead person at the table. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds like it'll be a, um, a great festival and a good good way to good time to um, to uh, contact get in touch with Hope Worldwide and find out something. Uh, more about you and how you how people can help. Will you be at other locations, other festivals across the country? At this time, no. Uh, we, you know, we're we're certainly open to to that um, to that possibility. The you know the Capital Festival uh, presented itself as a great opportunity. Um, you know, Montreal is another uh, location where um, where we uh, where we uh, have our eyes on. You know, to uh, to keep spreading the word and and uh, mm-hmm. you know getting the word out about uh, um, about the work that we're doing and the need for it. I think the the Capital Ukrainian Festival is a great opportunity because um, you know from what I understand, there's a, it's not just Ukrainian Canadians who go there. It's a big event in Ottawa, and so a lot of people in Ottawa go, and so I think a lot of um, people mm-hmm. are going to start to uh, you know. Be be aware of Ukrainian culture, 
uh, and also, um, you know, different issues that uh, Ukrainian Canadians uh, and Ukrainians are faced with. So, um, you know, the Hope Worldwide table is, uh, is part of that. We're uh, a non-political organization, uh, but, uh, you know, it's uh, the most important thing is that we're, we're helping people be aware that there's an ongoing conflict. It's by no means um, uh, died down. Uh, there are there are people and and families who are being affected every day, uh, every week. People are dying. People are getting injured. And uh, you know, one of the one of the lovely young ladies that I met uh, while I was in Kiev. Um, you know, she was she was so you know loving and and hugging me and all this. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I found out afterwards that she had lost one of her parents, and oh. so there was a lot of emotional issues that were difficult for her oh, yeah. to to discuss. But um, you know, through through the therapy and training that uh, that we give, it it helps these kids. Uh, you know, to get over their nightmares, mm-hmm. to get over their anxiety, to help them to be able to uh, to sleep better. And yes, we do. They do return back to you know the red zone afterwards because that's where their parents are living. And uh, mm-hmm. and so, in some respect, uh, you know, people say might say, well, that's kind of difficult. You're sending them back. Well, yes, What's that's home? where their parents are. Well, that's home that's for them, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. And and you need people to you know, to continue to live in, yes. in uh, this environment. But we're, hopefully, we've given them, uh, we've given them some hope, we've given them some tools, but we've also, just by um, taking care of the children, uh, we've given the parents, you know, some, some uh, rest as well. Even though they've still been there, they haven't had to worry about their children and they knew that they were in good hands. Oh, yeah, and they can think about themselves a little bit, too, because, I mean, constant stress that they're constantly under. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, 100%. It is a constant stress. We, um, you know, we really have uh, no uh, no idea about that mm. uh, because, we, you know, we, even when I went, you know, to Ukraine, I mean, I wasn't in a conflict zone. Uh, I did receive um, uh, as a gift uh, a, um, you know, a, a couple of souvenirs. One, the uh, Vladimir, the, my friend and country mm-hmm. director, he gave me a beautiful Vishivanka. From the Lviv uh, region, so that was made in Ukraine. So a nice embroidered shirt. Very nice, mm. yes. Uh, but he also gave me another souvenir that was um, made in Russia, and it was a, uh, a piece of uh, of ordnance of, of a bomb oh. that had exploded. And and when you hold in your hands, you know, a a, a piece of a, a shard of metal like that, and you think about that. You know, flying at somebody at a, at, a, at an incredible velocity and the damage, because a small piece even has a considerable weight. Oh, yeah. And um, you know, I, I gave a, a talk to a group in, in Ottawa a few weeks ago, and in that group were uh, uh, was in particular a, a medical doctor, and when he held that shard in his hand uh, and gave it back to me. He looked at me and he, and, and the expression in his eyes sort of said it all, like as, a, as an emergency uh, physician, you know, an ER room physician mm-hmm. in Canada, seeing that and thinking of what that could, what the damage that could do, um, you know, it, it, it's, uh, it's quite significant when you think of it. So, uh, 
um, having a, you know a kind of a memento like that brings home the seriousness and the gravity of the situation. Yeah, and I think a lot of us forget about that because we're here in our comfortable homes and, um, you know, watching TV or, or you know, on our cell phones, on, on social media and seeing, you know, political arguments about things that are not life-threatening by any means. Mm. And, you know, and these people live in that. I mean, kids going, walk, going to school on their bellies and hands and knees uh, to escape those being hit by one of those shards that you got as a gift from Russia. Mm. And yeah, those are that is the nice gift that their Ukraine all of Ukraine is getting. Uh, <laughs> Unfortunately. You know, yeah. And and that's not being talked about here in you know, in this part of the world. So the work that you're doing is so significant to us. Thank you so much for telling us about it. I know you have much more that, that you could tell um about it, but you have a website where you've got information, I presume, if people want more information. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, people can go to hopewwc.org and uh, they will be able to see uh, our Canadian site. And um, uh, you, can also, you can also Google um, Hope Worldwide Ukraine and you'll be able to get directly onto the Ukrainian site. If you wanted to donate, then it's of course best to do that through the Canadian site because mm-hmm. then you'll get a Canadian tax uh, donation okay. um, uh, tax receipt uh, for you know for your income taxes. If uh, if you you may have American listeners, um, and they can uh, they would be able to donate through the uh, through the American site to get a receipt for uh, for their taxes and uh, you know just make sure that you put. Uh, um, you know, you put a mention that it's for uh, for helping hand uh, for the Ukrainian program, okay. and uh, and it'll the donation will get there, and and we are working uh, right now with um, some uh, some significant donations from Switzerland uh, because we had a group of people in Switzerland who became aware of the program, and they've raised enough money for uh, for four cities. Uh, for therapy and training oh, wow. for, for four cities. And uh, this week we also just received, uh, and a big shout out to the Ukrainian Credit Union, we received a donation from Ukrainian Credit Union. And so that is going to, uh, that donation will uh, fund part of the training and therapy for Odessa. Okay. Ukrainian Credit Union in, in a previous year uh, funded uh, funded uh, the, the program for Odessa, and so we're putting their money again back into the same community. Excellent. And uh, these things have to be uh, they have to be ongoing. So the, the good sure. thing I think about our program is that uh, we have uh, local Ukrainian uh, trained uh, psychologists and mm-hmm. uh, and therapists, uh, you know, art therapists and social workers who are living in uh, Ukraine, and then they train local people who speak the language uh, and who who carry out the methods and the training. And so, you know, the only time in the past two years that we've sent somebody from Canada is just this past June, which was myself, hmm. in order to... Wow. Uh, you know, to do the verification and to meet the team mm-hmm. and also further the uh, the cause, so to speak, because I met with, um, you know, the PTSD therapy heads uh, mm-hmm. from Ukrainian Catholic University and from Kiev uh, Mohila Academy. Uh, and so while I'm there, I'm not just 
visiting what is going on, but I'm also making bridges and uh, and solidifying connections that are already there. Mm-hmm. Well, good work that has to be done, and amazing uh, what you could do with uh, with modern technology. Um, you know, two years of all that work before you actually met these people face to face. So. So that was, that's fantastic. And again, if anybody's uh, listening to uh, to um, this interview and being inspired, would like to get involved, you can make a donation. Um, volunteers on this part of the country still, you haven't got things set up, but maybe that's coming? Uh, yeah, and if somebody from your part of the country uh, wants to get involved, then by all means we can connect them with uh, with the local Hope Worldwide branch in uh, in Vancouver. Okay. And uh, you know, if you have ideas for um, you know for let's say a fundraising or a benefit uh, concert, then uh, we can certainly help uh, out with that. Okay. Uh, so so we're you know it's all about all about partners mm-hmm. and uh, we are actively working you know with um, with uh, with cook with uh, with the Canadian Ukrainian Congress um, to uh, to work with the Canadian government and try to bring um, uh, Canadian government funding uh, to Ukraine for the for a, a number of PTSD therapy programs not just ours mm-hmm. uh, but there's a, a few other uh, programs with different niches in the Canadian Ukrainian community that are that are focused um, in Ukraine. So we are, you know, we're actively trying to work with um, with all kinds of partners and people. Well, good luck to you um, on that, Taras. And again, thank you for this wonderful work that you're doing. Um, again, uh, the website to for where people can connect with you would be. Sure is hopewwc.org, okay. and uh, and then my email, if people want to get in touch with me, is taras.kulish, K-U-L-I-S-H, at uh, hopewwcanada.org. Uh, Okay, wonderful. Well, thank and you. And they can connect with me on Facebook if they oh, right. if they uh, if they look me up. You're on. You're connected with me on Facebook, Paulina. Right. Yeah. So they can connect with you. They mm-hmm. can connect with me and uh, get in touch. Send a message. It's so easy to get in touch in this day and age. Yeah, it sure is. And uh, so bless your heart for doing all this wonderful work. And um, you know, um, best wishes to all your whole team here in Canada and Ukraine. And, in fact, the whole organization, it's uh, around the world. It's uh, just a fantastic um, NGO, and um, hopefully you'll get more help, and maybe this war will end soon. Well, we can only pray about that, but thank you very much for continuing, you know, at Nasholos to have us on and to give us, you know, a voice and to give the children of Ukraine a voice. Well, my pleasure. Thank you so much, uh, Taras, again, and uh, hopefully we'll be speaking with you again soon. Uh, get more of an update. Uh, keep up the fantastic work, and all the best. My pleasure. Thank you so much. And I was speaking with Taras Kulish, International Relations Officer for Hope Worldwide Canada, based in Toronto, about his recent monitoring trip to Ukraine. You can find out more information about Hope Worldwide Canada at hopewwc.org and on their Facebook page.
And that was Cherevechke, or Boots, and performed once again by the students at Kherson Music School Number no. 3. And speaking of Cherevechke, when little kids grow up, they not only will be filling big boots, but they'll go on probably to make music something like this. And this is one that I found on YouTube. Don't know who the artists are, um, but they are obviously from Ukraine. It was actually recorded a little while ago, a few years back, if my guess is right. At any rate, here they are now with a song called Kupa Mecherevechke, Buy Me Boots.
Get your weekend passes for Canada's National Ukrainian Festival for only $95. That's $95 for a weekend pass to this cultural extravaganza in Dauphin, Manitoba, August 4th to 6th. CNUF is loaded with Ukrainian culture at its finest, featuring three days of music, dancing, food, and fun. Call 1-877-474-2683. Canada's National Ukrainian Festival, August Long Weekend, Dauphin, Manitoba. See cnuf.ca for updates and like Canada's National Ukrainian Festival on Facebook. And now for a look at Ukraine's rich Jewish heritage, then and now. Brought to you by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter, based in Toronto, Ontario. Welcome to Ukrainian Jewish Heritage on Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio. I'm Peter Baker. How are we to explain the fact that today many people all but yearn for a world destroyed by their fathers and grandfathers? The Austrian writer Martin Pollack poses uncomfortable questions in his work, but then he hails from a less uncomfortable background. Pollack's powerful book, The Dead Man in the Bunker, carries the subtitle Discovering My Father. It is the story of a man found murdered in 1947 in the mountains between Austria and Italy. The murdered man is not what his papers claim him to be. The dead man is, in fact, Dr. Gerhard Bost, a highly ranked SS officer who commanded death squads in Eastern Europe and was former head of the Gestapo in the Austrian city of Linz. And this man had an affair with a married woman that led to the birth of a son, Martin Pollack. Pollack grew up knowing nothing of the circumstances of his father's death or his involvement in Nazi atrocities. Pollack's grandparents were ardent and unrepentant Nazis. But Pollack himself escaped their influence thanks to his mother, who sent him to a boarding school in the mountains. There he met the children of people who had been displaced by the war. And that is where, he says, he heard the first sounds of Slavic languages. In rebellion, Pollack broke off contact with his family and finished a degree in Polish studies. He launched into a career in journalism. Ironically, Pollock's interest in Poland was stymied by the then-communist authorities who barred his entry into the country from 1980 to 1989. He looked for new fields of interest in Eastern Europe and discovered Galicia. He wrote the book To Galicia of Hasidim, Hutzels, Poles, and Ruthenians, an imaginary journey through the vanished world of Eastern Galicia and Bukovina, and a lifelong passion for the subject was born. In a recent interview with Irina Slavinska for Ukrainska Pravda, as well as in an expanded lecture called The Myth of Galicia in Toronto, Pollock outlined the complex and contradictory perceptions of Galicia. He described the challenges of competing memories and comforting illusions, and he identifies the toxic legacy of the colonial gaze of the supposedly more civilized Western world on the exotic East. Galicia was part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire up to 1918. The Enlightened Empire provided emancipation for the Jews and institutionalized nation-building for both Poles and Ukrainians. But, as Pollock points out, for many Austrians, and by extension the German-speaking world, it was considered foreign, distant, and almost hostile, a half-Asia that did not quite belong. It was also the poorhouse of the empire, 
the land of the poor and the hungry, in a Polish proverb. Pollock relates an astonishing story of how Jews would go through the villages in the Carpathian Mountains in spring and buy sheepskin coats from peasants. The coats would not be needed in warm weather. They would mend them and resell the coats again to the same villages in autumn so that at least one person in a family can go outside in winter. This grinding poverty sent massive waves of exploited Jewish, Polish, and Ukrainian migrants to distant shores in a desperate search of a better life. A story Pollock relates in his book, Emperor of America, The Great Escape from Galicia. Poverty provokes pity, but also contempt. Pollock reminds us Hitler first met Galician Jews in Vienna before the First World War and expressed his hatred in Mein Kampf. That war intensified the negative stereotypes of Galicia, as Austrians and Germans experienced what Pollock calls the Galician hell of hunger, lice-ridden trenches, large-scale slaughter, and wretched death. The soldiers had cameras and photos of the aborigines in folk costumes or in rags before ruined dwellings or being hastily executed for supposed treason or espionage consolidated a certain Western condescending gaze. Pollock recalls how he recently was given a family photo album from that era that was found in a flea market. Among pictures of a military officer with his family is to be found a photo of a Ukrainian peasant hanging from a tree, surrounded by a crowd. The album was entitled, My Memories of the War. Of course, we have even more horrific photos from the Second World War, with, as Pollock underlines, crowds gathering to witness an event. The Second World War destroyed Galicia as a multi-ethnic and multicultural society. But Pollock notes that paradoxically, a world that once aroused rejection and revulsion is now viewed by many in the German-speaking world in a warm glow of positive nostalgia, an idyllic world of harmony. Galicia in the West is still mainly associated with the Jewish identity. In Austria, Poland, and the U.S., Galicianer means Jews. Pollock Riley observes, Our parents, our grandparents, killed this world, destroyed this world, and now our generation thinks this is the most interesting, fantastic world. And yet the Western gaze remains skewed. Pollock laments the fact that Ukrainian Galicia still remains too little known among Westerners. He attributes this to the lack of translations of Ukrainian literature. He promotes Ukrainian writers and sharply notes that Austria was amazed to discover there were Ukrainian writers in Ukraine. Pollock says, We must work to enable each one of us to tell our story in our own language, but we must also be able to listen and hear others. Pollock refers to himself as the destroyer of Galician myths, but these myths still hold a fascination for him. He published his first book on Galicia in 1984, and he reflects, In 2017, I am still in the field of Galicia. This land has become my imaginary homeland. This has been Ukrainian Jewish Heritage on Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio. From San Francisco, I'm Peter Baker. Until next time, Shalom. 
Ukrainian Jewish Heritage is brought to you by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter, based in Toronto, Ontario. To find out more about their work, visit their website and follow them on Facebook and Twitter. Transcripts and audio files of this and earlier broadcasts of Ukrainian Jewish Heritage are available at their website, ukrainianjewishencounter.org, as well as at the Nasholos website, www.nasholos.com. in Ukrainian programming, tune in to Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio, our flagship show here in Vancouver, Saturdays from 6 to 7 p.m. on AM 1320 CHMB and streaming at am1320.com. Live in Nanaimo, Wednesdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. on CHLY 101.7 FM and streaming at CHLY. And the international edition of Nasholos, which airs in over 20 countries on AM, FM, shortwave, and satellite radio on the PCJ Radio Network. In between broadcasts, you can find us online at www.nasholos.com, where you can get podcast links to all three editions of the show. As well, make sure to follow Nasholos on Twitter and please like our Facebook page. Pravda posobi bludiu nezalishaya, and our proverb of the week translates as truth does not leave mistakes in its wake. Well, that about wraps it up for another edition of Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio to take us to the end of our show. The Canadian Rhythm Masters from Winnipeg with the Great Plains Kolomeka. I'm Pavlina on behalf of all of us here at Nash Holos and AM 1320. Thanks for listening and Dobranich! <laughs>
Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.